Welcome to Paper Quest. I'm Jesse. And I'm James. And we're two friends teaming up in our ongoing quest through the Infinite Library. Each episode, we get together to discuss our latest buddy read, swap stories on our recent solo reads, and talk about the upcoming books we look forward to reading next. This is Paper Quest. So I'm going to have you start with what you're reading, because I only have one book to mention, and I'm probably not going to go through it all the way. Sure. Because I have not finished it. So I literally just got this book in, um, but I'm about to start reading Electric Idol by Katie Robert. And this is the second book um, in her series, and it is a... It is a Greek mythology retelling. So the first was Persephone and Hades. And then this one is um, Psyche or Psyche and Eros. Um, and it's definitely an adult romance. Um, it's definitely an adult romance and they do a really good job. Or Katie Robert, the author, does a really good job of incorporating all of the different um, elements of mythology in a way that's understandable. Is this part of the seer? What's the first book called? The first book is called Neon Gods by Katie Roberts. Oh, okay. I got it confused with the other one. It had a blue cover and the gold mask on the front. Lord Achilles Lord. something? I don't know. Oh, Song of Achilles. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought that was what this was. No, that is very different. <laughs> These are very different retellings. Um, these Katie Roberts, it's supposed to be a trilogy, and it is very much a spicy romance. And Song of, Olymp- uh, Song of Achilles is very much a um, tried and true retelling of, like, I don't remember what it's called, but, like, the original story. So, is this another series that's ongoing or finished, or how many are there? So this one came out literally today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I pre-ordered it. I plan to pre-order the next one. I'm assuming this isn't awful. But based on the first one, it won't be. And I will probably be finished tomorrow. So You're going to finish all that tomorrow? Well, based on the last one, maybe. Okay. (laughs) They're they're spicy. How about you? What are you currently reading? So the only book that I'm reading right now, which you've already read, is the first Dune novel. Which is surprisingly... I saw the movie first. I'm reading the book second. In some ways, I'm glad that I did that because it's one of those books where there's a lot of made-up nonsense and a lot of characters and a lot of stuff going on that you have to really picture. And watching the movie definitely helped guide me through the beginnings of the book because there was a lot of reading and pausing and going back to the, like the the back of the book's like little dictionary lexicon, which is a lot of, very helpful. The last book I read that did that was the Wheel of Time series, and I. Epic fantasies usually, to some degree, do that. The book itself is fantastic. I plan on reading the entire series all the way through. Then maybe doing the prequel stuff. The author wrote five or six books that is like the main series. And then his son, with some other author whose name I can't remember right now, they went back and did a bunch of prequel stories. The... The book itself is fascinating. I, I don't even know how he comes up with the ideas he came up with. It's um, it's it's an epic. I wouldn't call it a space epic. It doesn't take place in space. But it's very 
political, very Game of Houses, mm-hmm. very drama, but not not like the normal drama. It's just very political drama, which is a lot of fun. <clears throat> I'm about halfway through it. I'm reaching the point where the movie ends. And so at this point, everything I read going forward is going to be brand new information. I have some guesses as to what's going to happen. I don't want to say too much since this isn't a Dune spoiler review. (laughs) But I will definitely be finishing that and somewhere, somehow fitting in the next 5,000 pages of that series. On top of everything else we're going to read, which is very interesting. So that is the only book that I'm currently reading. I'll probably finish it next week or so because i'm gonna read our priory of the orange tree book which is two podcasts away but is somehow bigger than dune so once we catch up on that i'll be uh back on track so whatever else you're reading um so the i'm also reading our buddy book for the next podcast which we'll talk about later i've just started that and then um i am on the sixth Zodiac Academy book, which I've talked about <laughs> every single episode. Um, I'm pushing through the last book. The, um, so, first of all, Zodiac Academy is by Carolyn Peckham and Suzanne Valenti, and it's about um, Faye twins who were changelings, brought back. They're princesses. They're super powerful, super epic, and... Um, I had mentioned in the last podcast we've moved into some of the politics and them deciding that they are going to be um, princesses and they are going to try and take the throne. And now we're moving into kind of the the preparing for the end battle. So there's I actually looked again. There is only seven books. So I'm on six out of seven. Um, and I think all of this is going to lead up to, you know, I think book seven will be like, Either everyone dies or they beat the baddie and everyone wins. So we'll see. Probably the latter. Hopefully. <laughs> there had there was a, a death of a uh, like minor character that was very surprising because there hasn't been too much death. It is a YA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it definitely took me by surprise. Um, but that, it wasn't very like traumatic or anything there's a lot of other things that are like tearjerker or like surprise twists or like hold on let me go back and reread that because i don't know that wasn't supposed to happen so so as far as you are now do you have a favorite book or are they all pretty much on par um i think because i've just read them like there's been no breaks Mm -hmm. i don't know when one (laughs) really ends Um, but I do know the last podcast I said book four, I ended and immediately had to start the next one. And so I think that really says something for at least that portion of the book. All Mm -hmm. these books are 800 plus pages. So they kind of all are one thing at this point. (laughs) All right. What else? Is that it? Or do you have more? Um, and then I mentioned this last time, but I just finished Long Live the Queen, 23 Rules for Living from Britain's Longest Reigning Monarch by Brian Kazalinski. Kazalinski. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really am. Um, and it was really interesting. And I'm, I, um, lots of things were highlighted. And what it basically is, is um, Queen Elizabeth II is now 96. 
her husband, Philip, who died last year. He lived to 99. Her mother lived to 101. And this author basically went through tons of footage going back um, and, and, like, the the bibliography for this is, like, 20 pages or something. It's really long. Um, and he just goes through and is like, these are the rules that it seems that they live by. Um, and why she is able to still run a country and be so active while being very old. So, so now that you've read all of the facts, is there any that stand out to you? Um, well, he made a handy list. So let me check the list momentarily. Um, I think that one that I already do, um, is basically to, if something crazy is happening or something terrible is happening, is just to like be quiet about it and not be super negative and like continually bring it up, um, and just kind of move on. I guess there's, at one point there was like t-shirts and mugs and stuff of, um, the quote from the queen that's keep calm and carry on. Oh, yep, yep. Um, and that's very much part of like, you know, people have died and she's just like stony eyed and they're like, she doesn't know how to cry. Um, in the, in the crown, the Netflix series, she, they make her say like, I don't think I know how to cry, but it's that she's not crying in public. She's going back to the people she loves and can trust and having her moments. And I'm definitely that way. I'm like, I could be, you know, murderous, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to wait until I'm in my bedroom and just have my moment and then go back to whatever I need to do. Um, so that was something that really makes sense for being in the public eye for your whole life. I, yeah, I love that. I think you and I are very much the same in that. I think that's something a lot of people could learn to do mm-hmm. for many various situations in these days and times. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I would read that book myself, but I would definitely want to see like a brief overview because that is a very actually really interesting uh, book idea. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's that's the main things I'm reading right now. And um, I guess we're going to jump into our buddy book. Yeah, we'll jump into spoilers. And I think this is one that we'll have... We're not quite on the same page as this time. I think there's going to be some differences in conversation. Yeah, so um, this episode, for this episode, we read The Atlas Six. I don't have who wrote it. Olivia Blake. Okay. (laughs) Um, For this episode, we read The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. And just a quick summary. The Alexandrian Society. Caretakers of lost knowledge from the greatest civilizations of iniquity are the foremost secret society of magical academians in the world. Those who earn a place among the Alexandrians will secure a life of wealth, power, and prestige beyond their wildest dreams. And each decade, only the six most uniquely talented magicians are selected to be considered for initiation. So let's jump in. Like you said, we may have... Diverse opinions. Yes, there are six that get initiated, and one must die for no good particular reason. They can't just have six people there helping learn the greatest knowledge in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my very first problem with the book. So, um, when the book starts, there is a gentleman named Alice who 
goes and meets up with these six individuals and basically needs to convince them to magically transport to to an unknown place and um they are all uh they all have magic so they already know in this world they already they're born basically with magic um, and they are trained in it or um or they can just kind of pretend it doesn't exist but people have different levels of power you might be able to like just light a candle and that's the whole extent of your power or you might be able to light an entire inferno and it should be noted this this is one of the few books at least that i've read in my entire lifetime where it takes place on our earth and magic is public it's not like yes. harry potter it's not like it's a secret no one knows that there's wizards or witches it's like fully public there's companies all sorts of things built around it not that it matters because we get no detail about that <laughs> at all we have no idea how it works in society Yes. So, well, so there's one, and we'll get into characters, because like I said, or like we said, there are six, but there is one character when we meet him, his name is Tristan, um, he was working as basically a um, analyst for a financial company, and so he was, or I think it's a financial company, a big, very important company, um, and that made a lot of money, and he basically was like looking at you know, numbers and deciding to determine, he was using his magic to determine certain things about it. Mm -hmm. Um, again, not fully explained, but it seemed very impressive and important. (laughs) Um, but they are, the six are invited. They're like, you have to be here in two hours. You magically will show up and we'll give you this great opportunity. And surprise, surprise, they all agree to attend. Um, yeah. and not super willingly they had to you know they there was a little inner conflict they weren't sure what they were getting into stuff like that so yeah yeah so they're basically told um you you six come and try out only five will make it they aren't told about the death part yet <laughs> and we're just gonna see who the five best are um and there's no strings attached and you're going to have access to all this information dating back to um, ancient Rome and Greece and all of those things um, that the world has never seen and people think are lost. So they will be able to use their magic in ways that they could never imagine. And, people... and that we still could never imagine because they don't ever tell us what that knowledge or history is. <laughs> or a single thing they learn in the entire year they're there. At all. But they learn how to make... <laughs> black holes (laughs) we learned nothing about this magic um and so yes so they all agree and they show up and they don't two of them know each other no one else does two of them are best frenemies yes Mm -hmm. and um they're all when we when they all get together they're all very cagey Mm -hmm. and they don't want to they're immediately in battle mode, which I don't think would be my first reaction. No, even before they they realized the whole death scenario, I just didn't understand why, like, you're six of the most powerful magical people. You've been chosen for this quote-unquote great opportunity. And you'd think they'd want... And they do in some ways. Mm -hmm. You'd think they'd want to partner up and learn and teach each other. But it's very clicky really quick, but... 
I don't even want to call it that because it's just six of them. It's just six people making alliances, and I'm just like, there's only so much you can do with six people. <laughs> yeah, so there is an event that kind of forces them to immediately work together. Um, but before we jump into that, maybe we should mention the six. Yes. So um, this is not in the order that we meet them, but um, there is... Did you say Raina? I, I say Raina. Okay. Raina Mori. Um, she's basically Mother Nature in human form. So plants, trees, all those types of things can speak to her. And she can help them grow, but at the cost of her own strength and energy. And it takes a lot from her. Um, and she's very resentful of her powers when we meet her in Japan. Um, she's a waitress. And she does not want to have anything to do with anything magic. And she kind of wrecked that uh, cafe, though. <laughs> At the yeah. beginning. So how do you feel about Reyna? Do you want to talk about them as we go or lay them all out first? Um, we can talk about them. How do you... Like, Reyna's power is great. It makes sense. Cool. I don't think it was ever used to any successful degree. But I was very put off that, like, to her, plants quite literally talk and call her, like, mother... And make weird like noises as if they're talking to her. I didn't know if she was imagining that, or if because she's plant related, that's just how it works. <laughs> it was really strange. I think that they are actually t- the way I read it is the plants are actually talking to her because there is an instant where um, actually in the the first thing that pushes them together, which is initiation, um, there is plants basically telling her like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they're they're basically... So this is the voice I was hearing for the plants. But it was basically like, Mother, 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 there's trouble. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what I pictured. Squeaky, tiny little things. Just yeah. really annoying. And like, the, the author uses the plants to describe like the vibe of the room. Like the plants will do something or, you know, like they'll, they'll go a certain way. They'll wilt, whatever. It's just like, okay... If she weren't here, would that still happen? I guess not. I don't really know how this works. Sure. <laughs> the other part of her, um, the other part of her magic, is that she's also a human battery for other magical people. So when another um, of the six touch her or pull her power from her, they're recharged. Whereas normally they would have to like depending on the power, like, go take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. So she's, like, you know, uh, a travel charger. <laughs> Again, that's something I almost forgot was a thing, because they bring it up, but it isn't used to any major capacity. They have they, Every single one of them has potentially cool things, but they're not used in any major storyline sort of way. It's just, like, they have this power, and you're like, oh, cool, that's going to come up later. Something massive is going to happen. I got to use it to some degree. And uh, just, no, it, it'll just end with the same knowledge that you started with. Yep. Uh, the next two characters, they go hand in hand. Libby and Nico. Libby Rhodes and Nico de Verona. Um, Libby is, I would say she's mousy, stubborn, anxious, Um she and Nico mm-hmm. are both physicists, and they have the ability to control all physical things, even down to atoms and electrons. 
Um, and they are, they went to school together. They were always like first and second in their class. They were always paired together. And she loves to hate him. And he goes along with it. But clearly from the moment we meet him, he likes her. Yeah, he feeds off it, just goes with it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, and she is ticked off by everything he does. He could breathe wrong, and she's just like... It's always a comment. Yeah. Um, she's always got something to say. She's She is... So, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a, a work meeting or whatever, there's always that one person, you're like, they're going to have to ask a question. That's Libby. It's universal, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, she is the one that's like... Can you please explain that? But how about this? What are we doing now? What's happening here? Um, and that really pisses off some of the other applicants. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you feel about their powers? Even though there's six main characters, these are the two they put... There's maybe a third one. These are the two they put a lot of focus on, which is why I probably ended up liking them the most. There's this weird storyline. It kind of makes sense because at the end, I get it. There's a whole time thing going on. But they're mostly working on... I get, we're, we're to assume that one of these most powerful ancient knowledges has to do with time and space and traveling and distance. And that's really cool. Every couple of chapters, they had to go back to it. They're in the yard doing something. The powers are very fascinating. All of that science is like my my main interest, like my biggest because um, I'm a big space science fiction guy. So I, I love their powers. I thought it was a lot of fun. I just wish, again, it was explained a little more. Yeah, I, for, for my part of it is, I just didn't understand. Yeah, like I said, nothing is super clear, but it's cool what they were doing. But I, I needed more than that's cool what they're doing. Yeah, and I will be the first to admit science is not my area of expertise. Um, and I have like, a vague idea of like what a physicist nowadays would do, um, you know, in the real world. Um, and then kind of transferring that to magical physicist was confusing. So yeah, I just, I liked them. I shouldn't always understand what was happening. Yeah. To be fair, the author did, <clears throat> the author did explain certain degrees of it, which was good. I mean, there was, there were some legitimately good, I don't remember if it was dialogue or just description. I don't know if they were saying it or if they were describing it. Um, but it was it was further towards the end where they were describing how it all kind of worked. And I can't I can't for the life of me tell you word for word right where I read this book like three weeks ago. But she did a good job explaining certain aspects of the general science. I mean, you know, fictional science. But that again left me hanging with cool, how does that relate to to the character's powers, I guess. I just don't really... I don't know. <laughs> um, and something else I'll just point out here is that throughout... We'll, we'll come back to it, but Libby has a boyfriend, and his name is Ezra, and they've been dating the whole time she's been in school, and he's just... When she's like, I'm going to go to a place where I can't tell you about it, and Nico, the guy that I hate, is going to be there, and I can't tell you where I'm going to be, how long I'm going to be gone, or what I'm going to be doing... He's just like, cool, love you, kiss. And that's it. And so from literally the moment she was like, yes, I'm going to do this, I was like, I don't understand this character at all. Why is he here? 
but we'll come back to him. <laughs> yes. We do know why eventually. Yeah. Who, I thought he was the one that was giving him crap, giving her crap. That was somebody else. Uh, that was everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, so the next is, the next of the six is Parisia Kamali. My least favorite character. I liked her. <laughs> She's so annoying. Um, so she is a telepath who can read everyone's minds if they don't put up a mental shield. Um, she's beautiful. She knows she's beautiful. She's happy being beautiful. And because all magic has a cost and it costs some personal energy, she finds it is easiest to pull people's thoughts and drop into their deepest, darkest desires when being intimate with them. Um, and when we meet her, she is an escort and she's very powerful, but really doesn't do any, like, where all the other characters like, I'm going to do research. I'm going to learn about black holes. I'm going to learn about time and space, like you mentioned, and all of these things. Um, she's just, like, there. Yeah. This character exhausts me to my core. She, first of all, the pattern, because we should say each chapter is someone else's perspective. Yes. Which, by the way, is ridiculous when they're all in the same house. So stupid. But anyways, every time it was her perspective, her chapter... It was a pattern of like, oh, it's Parisa's turn. How quick, how much, when it's her turn, you just know she's going to talk about sex. Yes. Like it's always, and I, in real life, if you had that kind of power, the mental power, you could read people's minds. I completely agree the easiest way to do it is when someone has completely like let down their guard. But every time it was her turn, her perspective, she just kind of like, Every character or every every character was nobody to her. It was just like my my time is wasted on you guys. This is an exhausting experience. Um, what can I get if I have sex with you? Sex with you? And it's just like constant. Like I I don't I don't care. Like every chapter, I was just like, can I skip this? <laughs> well, and one piece that I found interesting is when before we understood what her powers were, and we had just met her. Um, she zeroes in on Atlas's assistant, who's a, a man named Dalton Ellery, and she immediately decides, from the moment she lays eyes on him, that she is going to seduce him and then pick his brain apart. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, like, eventually there was reason enough, but I couldn't understand, out of all the people in the room, why that was the person she no decided idea. on. My only guess is because... I don't even know if she knew this yet, but he was a student in the last set of six. Yeah. Therefore, maybe she could get more out of him. Like, what was your experience? But I don't even think she knew at that point that he was a previous student. I can't remember. I don't think so. I think he was just being introduced. Yeah, he was just an assistant and he literally, like, went to leave and she just followed him. Yeah. So, um, her kind of, not foil, that's not the right phrase, but her, um compliment power or whatever um is in calum nova and while parisia can hear everyone's thoughts calum is an empath that can feel and manipulate others emotions um and his family is the largest illusionist company and they sell beauty illusions so like um at one point uh libby has a pimple and she's using an illusion to hide her pimple um but they uh, he 
doesn't look anything like what everyone sees, which is really interesting because mm-hmm. he's just able to manipulate, uh, or his, his family's organization is able to manipulate um, what you can see. But he manipulates what you can feel. And that is, they immediately figure it out, um, the other five, and they decide that he is basically pushed out. They're like, uh, he manipulated Libby's, he made Libby stop talking. Mm-hmm. Again, she was the question asker. He made her calm because she was feeling very anxious and excited. And uh, Ver- Nick- Nico was like, wait, Libby should be talking right now. Something's wrong. And they immediately realized that Callum basically made her stop talking. And they were like, you're out. We hate you. And he kind of has to work his way back in from the fringes. Yeah, it's a that's a sort of a double-edged sword power right there. Um, and then finally, there is Tristan Kane, and he is the one that was strangest to me because he doesn't exactly know what his power is, other than the fact that he does not see illusions. So he doesn't know that Libby is covering up her pimple. She he just knows she has a pimple. He doesn't know that Callum has luscious hair. He just knows his hair is what it actually really is on his body. Um, and he, his father is a well-known, my understanding was like mob boss. Yeah. Um, and a super big criminal. And he's worked himself into a place where he's poised to marry an heiress, even though she's not a good person. And he's poised to take over this, her father's multi-million dollar corporation that he works for um and he is probably the most skeptical about joining this situation it's just another one of those storylines where that's that's the character's past but doesn't matter anymore (laughs) (laughs) i know there's another book coming so maybe it'll pick up from there but i feel like they tell you a lot of things in this book and none of it really matters yeah um so those are the main six the three side characters that we hear a lot about are Daltery, El- sorry, Adultery. Dal- <laughs> Dalton Ellery, who mm-hmm. does probably, uh, well, he finds himself in a in affair with Parisia, so there's probably something happening there. Um, he has access to parts of the library that no one else can see because he has a special power. Um, I believe it was called an animator, but he can basically animate things such as dead bodies, um, memories, so he can make things that are not living appear living. There's Atlas, who is the man who invited them all to come here. I, yeah, I mean, what would, what would you call him? Like the headmaster, the leader? I don't even know. The uh, I think they use the term caretaker. Caretaker? Okay. Yeah. Um, and we don't realize it right away. He doesn't expressly say it until a couple, or until later. But he and Parisia have the same power. They are both telepaths. Mm-hmm. He does not choose to become an escort and uh, get people's innermost thoughts that way. So, slightly different approaches. Yeah. Um, and then again, Libby's boyfriend, Ezra. Um, he, at the start, comes off to me at least very needy and boring. She says that he's powerful, but Nico's constantly like, why would you be with... A guy that, you know, isn't as, 
you know, amazing as you. Yeah, I every time, <clears throat> every time they brought up Ezra, I think. Wait, I've, who have we been introduced to Ezra yet? Like he was completely forgettable. Yeah. However, I think that was the point so that the twist at the end was more surprising. Which, yes. if that's the case, totally fine. Yes. So, those are all the characters that anyone cares about. Um, and, like I said, they, they all show up together. They basically go, ooh, we don't like each other. We're not going to even tell each other what the powers are. Yeah, they all had their powers. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and I think they called it initiation. But basically, the six are told by Atlas, you're now in charge of the security of this library. And again, this library is the Alexandrian library that burnt down in ancient Greece or Rome. Sorry. <laughs> um, and so it's got like, this is a very important place. And so, of course, there is a break in right away because, you know, page whatever they're told. You need to figure this out, and then the and then they're like, "Well, we're not going to tell you each other's powers." And then, like two pages later, it's a break-in, which is partially planned for. It's kind of expected, but they don't know when it, the caretaker Atlas doesn't know when it's going to happen. But it works in his favor to get them to work together and figure each other out. Yep. So they break off into pairs in a in a hurry, and the pairs are Reina and Nico. And during that, we find out that they both can physically fight and they can use guns. Um, and she basically, um, he does a lot of the fighting. And I was really surprised because in my head at that point, he was like a nerdy scientist. I'm surprised any of them could fight, to be honest. So. But apparently they were like experts. They were ninjas. Um, the, the book did have, as you went through it, illustrations of each character. Yes. I could see some of them as fighters, but I was still surprised. Um, and then Libby and Tristan end up together, and Libby thinks she's seeing, like, dozens of intruders when there's only, like, two or three. And because Tristan... So she's shooting at, like, random things. Yep. And because Tristan doesn't see illusions, he's like, over that one. She's like, no, they're not over there. They're, they're right here. They're going to kill us. Um, and he basically, like, starts guiding her. And that's the only thing he does, and he's a little emasculated but also really grateful that she could handle a gun and um she does kill someone and she feels very bad about that mm. but you know they worked they worked as a decent pair and then i think the most interesting that we really didn't hear a lot about when it happened was parisia and callum paired off again this was all not this was just they all ran in different directions kind of thing and callum uses his powers, his empath powers, to manipulate the gunmen into killing themselves. And Parisia is just gutted by this. She's <laughs> disgusted. She's... If, if, if we were, like, relating characters to these people, she is disgust from Inside Out, the Pixar <laughs> movie. Like, that's her face all the time. Um, and that is definitely how she felt about Callum. So how did you feel about initiation? I thought this was one of the better scenes in the book because something was happening. Um, I thought it was really clever. The idea is that there are other societies out there. It's not just the Alexandrian society. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the Alexandrian society has a ton of 
ancient tomes and scrolls, etc. So there's other ones, and you know it's highly secured magic-wise. Um, so there's other societies that are trying to. It's their version of hacking. They're trying to get in, right? So um, they're trying to break down the defenses. And Atlas knows that it's going to happen. Every once in a while, they figure out one of the defenses and they can slip through. Um, he kind of times that with the initiation so that they're sort of forced to work together, see how that works. Atlas know, like Atlas isn't surprised. He's like, yeah, we know the break-ins happen, and this works in our favor. You can learn. Um, you can see what kind of people you're up against, stuff like that. So this whole scene was cool. This is what I wish more of the book was like. What about you? Um, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was when it happened. Like, I wish there was, like, a little more time and it wasn't like, oh, within the next 12 hours it happens. Yeah, it is it's it is a little convenient. It was like, boom, next day. You've barely been here. And what are the chances now you get to put the, yeah. the powers into action? Um, but I did think it helped us understand a little bit better like it serves the story yeah like i understand an empath i can i can comprehend feeling other people's powers but until you realize in that conversation that he can manipulate you don't like it's not dangerous to me until you're like oh no he just made someone commit suicide in a, in a sense um it just seemed like i was just like well why is that one of the most impressive powers in all the world? Yeah, you know? I don't know that... What's her name? The one with the plants. Rena. I don't know that Rena would be my first choice for anything. I I, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for people Dodge that know... <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's... I'm sure her powers can be put to great use somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's doing... At the Alexandrian Society. Like, what is her plant powers doing, exactly? My question... I just had a question for you. Okay, so... One of my... One of my more medium-ish nitpicks in the book... Is... Unless I was... This clearly isn't my favorite book. I could have just been zoned out trying to get through it. But... I feel like there's not a lot of description about places or things going on around the characters and like i don't know what this house looks like it wasn't described from the inside or the outside it's just like there is a living room there is a bedroom there is the study whatever but no one ever said like were there were there other people in this house were there other students walking around so there you can come and go but only dalton atlas and the six are living there and i think the only description they really give is that it's looks like it is a country like an english manor yeah so and it's big it yeah fit that many people and has lots of things but i was just kind of picturing the the xavier mansion the whole time that's like the only thing i could go off yeah. of and they mentioned x-men once and i was like oh that's kind of weird the x-men exists in this world full of magic but okay yeah. um oh yeah they did yeah i was they they made a joke about professor x yeah and i was like well that's kind of strange would those comics still exist in a world like this but okay sure interesting um but i just found it weird like every once in a while some random person would show up because they have access to the library but i just felt like i didn't know what was going on in the house at any point and when the break-in occurs even though they know break-ins can happen it's not like atlas himself 
planned the break-in, right? He didn't go to the bad guys and say, hey, can you break in on this night, please? Yeah. So if the Atlas Six weren't there 24 hours beforehand, and that's when the break-in occurred, what was the plan? <laughs> like, I don't understand. I'm not sure. I don't understand how this story works sometimes. Um, Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. And that is a question I had, like, when I was reading it. It's like, okay, well, who was who, here before? Who was living here or defending this place when all these people were breaking in? Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that there are other societies that are that are some of the people who break in. So we do get more information on one that is specifically <clears throat> called the Forum. Mm. And their whole goal is they want all this information that's within this library to be free to everyone. And so they are, um, you know, they want Freedom freedom of Information Act. Um, and at one point they attempt to recruit the six, but none of them bite. And they actually use tactics um, that kind of shake each individual person. Um, they attempt to use their secrets to be like, hey, we know that you're, um, so Parisia, we find out, is married. Um, which is interesting for a, you know, renowned escort. Um, and so they're like, hey, that husband you got, we're going to, like, tell him where you are or something. And she, like, I don't know why that would get them, get her on their side. It was weird because, so they they all go on break for a couple of days. Yeah. And at that time, different other society members approached them either blackmail-y or door-to-door salesman-y. And every pitch, I'm like, you're not saying anything that would be like, oh, yeah, let's do this thing. Like, you're you're clearly very weird, and I'm not going anywhere near you. Yeah, they're, like, <laughs> they're definitely, like, the stranger in the van with the candy who's like, hey, friend, would you like some? And you're like, no, my mom told me not to take candy. Yeah, it was completely unnatural. No one tried to, like pretend that they didn't know them or try to get to be their friend and then months down the line try to they the tactics here were just awful yeah so that is other that is what we know basically about other societies they exist they're um trying to recruit but no one's really caring and then we find out that one must die how did you feel about that one must die because that is the way the society always ran. So it is custom. That's what Atlas tells us. And I'm just trying to figure out where that rule started. Like why, even if it was custom, even if it was a tradition that one must die, how and where did that tradition start? If there can only be five, why didn't you pick the top five students? You would rather kill off one of the most magical people in existence just because tradition says so. So I think I know why. They say it over and over again. Um, I the There's a basic principle of magic that they constantly go back to, and it's that everything comes at a cost. And so my understanding is that someone must die to basically feed the library magic. That's how I, under, that's how I read it. I didn't get that impression, and that would seem very weird considering it's already like the most powerful magic in existence well and when spoiler i know we're in spoiler territory (laughs) um one doesn't die she disappears and 
Yeah, conveniently, the thing we've been reading about for three-fourths of the book doesn't matter. Yeah. And um, when that happens, when that happens, Atlas basically says um, there's enough... Atlas basically says there's enough blood already in the library that one skipped sacrifice won't um, won't hurt. So... Yeah, it's... <clears throat> That's fine if that's the reasoning. It's a poor excuse to make a drama in a story. That's how I read it. Um, it felt like a theme. I don't know why the like. I don't know why the the books and the tomes themselves would have to recharge. I don't. I don't. It's weird. What I think is interesting too is they don't ever say like you can't just leave or go home there's no quitting so once you decide that you're going to join the society you are either in and accepted or you're dead and there's no in between um so what are your thoughts on the one must die situation i just think it's there for the sake of story it's it's the it's the one main thing they talk about for most of the book it's it's the making of um, alliances for most of the middle of the book. They're trying to make alliances, and um, there's the, the the whole thing that I don't like about the book is that they spend so much time on who must die and making alliances instead of working together. And by the time the book ends, the alliances and the whole dying thing doesn't matter. Right. So the one thing, and. We had, we had been messaging a little bit about this beforehand. And at the point where I saw, um, where I thought I would rate this higher was actually the one must die idea and the conversation about the trolley problem. If they were forced into a situation in one, in which one must die, that would make more sense, but it all just feels manufactured for no reason. So have you had a discussion about the trolley problem before. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, basically the idea is do you pull the lever and kill five people to save the one, or do you kill the one to save five? The then, the baby or the elderly woman. Yeah, yeah like, your one true love or five random people. Yeah. Or, you know, and there's all, there's tons of variations on it. Um, but because of that kind of deeper conversation... I thought it was going somewhere more than it ended up going. That's the definition of this book. Yeah. <laughs> Every single point seems like it's going to go somewhere, and then it doesn't. Again, I know there's a sequel, but it's very clear that the point is not to delve deep into certain things. It's just a lot of surface-level things happening. Yeah. There is... And I, I we still have to get to the ending and stuff like that. Yep. The book... First of all, I don't want to fault it too much for this because it is self-published. In case we haven't mentioned that before, it's a self-published book. Reading this, it's not the worst thing I've read grammatically, but there's a lot of weird choices. A lot of weird sentence structures. Way too many parentheticals that belong nowhere for some reason. But the book brings up a lot of interesting points. One of the first being when I realized magic exists publicly that is something i could read about forever because that's not something you get like usually if magic publicly exists it's in a fantasy setting it's lord of the rings it's it's whatever 
what does that world look like when we get away from the weird clicky pettiness or whatever like how does a government function how how do people get along in magic versus non-magic going to the same schools i mean wars are magic people in the military what's going on like these are really interesting points that don't get touched upon at all it's all about these six kids stuck in a building and it's way less interesting than the points they bring up throughout the book um, so something that goes with that that I thought was a really interesting, I don't know if I would call it a plot point, but something I wanted to think more about is um, Libby is the last to find out about the one must die situation. Mm-hmm. And Tristan, because he's gotten this respect for her saving his <laughs> saving his butt and his life during the initiation, he kind of goes to have a conversation with her. And they talk about the trolley problem. And at some point, um, Libby suggests that maybe Calm's ability to manipulate and use emotions and to have people commit suicide or to completely, like, wreck someone's mental being, um, maybe those specialties shouldn't exist. So -hmm. that kind of goes along with, are there people who are so overpowered and so unique like, Raina can, she's she's Mother Nature. She could, like, take all the trees and form her own plant army. Or, like, the plants at, at one point were, like, um, didn't have enough oxygen, and she knew that. So, it, that was just an interesting thought. Like, do you think maybe some specialties shouldn't exist? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certain, first of all, they're... We don't learn much more. The powers we know are the powers that we see of the six to eight characters. Yeah. It's never fully explained what other powers may or may not exist out there. Obviously, something like um, mind reading is extremely powerful. Again, there's so many things you could do with that. I mean, anywhere from reading your teacher's thoughts for answers to something on a way higher governmental, political, war sort of, you know. Yeah. Um, know your enemy, but we're kind of stuck with these, this handful of powers and we don't know what else is out there that could be more or less dangerous. I don't know. I mean, are there people that control other elements, stuff like that? But I just wish we knew more. I More about the world. About the world. And I, and I, I guess that's more my problem because this book is an intimate setting. It takes place mostly in the, in the school, in the alexandrian library it does but i think that there's enough like i most um, uh, i would say a lot of my books are very character driven because they are for young adults and teenagers um but this didn't even really have that it didn't like you said there was a lot of surface and like so when libby brought up the idea of maybe some specialty should exist to me that's akin to like Someone who has a disability or has, like, at a very benign level, someone who has ADHD or anxiety and they're like, oh, maybe other people, this one person had a really bad experience, maybe people without, with ADHD or anxiety shouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's the only thing that I could, like, put it to. But yeah, I just, the way that I could see it in the human world, in our world. So yeah, did you have any... Any thoughts on getting rid of a specialty? 
like that? Did when you read that? Did it to me? It, that was one of the few things that felt sorry, memorable, and jarring. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it didn't cross my mind once. It was pretty far in, so at that point you might have been like, "I'm over it." But I, I, I was. I just, I just stopped. Not. I want to say I just stopped caring. I didn't fully stop caring. But at that point, I was just trying to mostly get through it. Mm-hmm. I do. I think we should talk about the ending because the ending happens. It's a good little twist. And I was like, where was this drama the rest of the book? Where was all these interesting ideas the rest of the book? So the last two chapters are like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to read about. So before the ending, there's one more scene that I would love to talk about with you. OK, I'm probably forgetting it. And it is, it is again, one of the few scenes that I really was in. I was like, this is freaking cool. Okay. It was Callum versus Parisia, is what I am calling it. Basically, the two of them have just hung out for the year and not really done anything besides... Yeah, ost- just like the book. Besides <laughs> ostracize themselves from each other. Um, but they decide to have a face-off because their skills are similar and they want to kind of prove themselves to the other people in the room. And so Callum uses his empathy powers to walk everyone through young Parisia's life where she realizes, or she realizes she can hear other people's thoughts and she learns that her brother desires her and um, she's kind of, kind of has these traumas as a young, you know, teenager. Um, And she runs away into a loveless marriage and he feels her deep, deep, sad pain and that kind of explains why she goes into being um, an escort, I guess. Um, and the four others see her commit suicide. So he mm-hmm. he feels her pain so much that he has her jump off a building. Yeah, I remember this scene now. And it ends and they literally think she's dead. And then she kind of floats back up and she tells Callum, like, or she tells the room, like, oh, Callum won. But Callum and Parisia know that actually Parisia won because she immediately moved all of this into Nico's head. So everyone was seeing what was playing like a movie screen in Nico's head. Yep. And um, for two powers that were kind of not really talked about or not really um, besides her using sex was not really exercised in any way. Uh, throughout the book at that point, and it was pretty far in, I was so intrigued. Like, she can move from one plane of being to another plane of being, and she can, and he can create rooms and make people feel like they're moving through the entire house. And I was like, this is so cool. Where has this been? I want more of this. Yeah. Usually things are explained or hinted at, and then when it happens, it makes sense, and it doesn't feel like it was forced in to make the story work or whatever. This book, there's so many things that I wish they would have shown or explained, like going further into their powers. I would, I mean, this whole scene is very interesting. There's other characters I'd like to see more about, the physicists, um, uh, how the how the plant magic works, or whatever you want to call that. Um, I wish... We knew the baseline of their powers. They're, they start powerful, right? They're not like year one students as far as magic. They're yeah. already pretty powerful. But then what do they learn across this year 
that elevates that. Like, does she do that now because she learned something at this library? Or has she always had that power and we're just now seeing it for the first time? Because what I noticed halfway through is they go through the, the year pretty fast, right? Like, this yes. isn't the longest book in the world. They skip a lot of time. So this entire time, I'm like, ancient knowledge, out of school. Lots of arguing between each other. I don't know what a class setting looks like. I don't know what you're being taught. There's one scene at the very end of the book when they bring in a dead body and they talk for a while about that. But it was nothing super massive or cool. It was like a little conversation in the classroom. Even just that little bit in the classroom made me excited to hear more. But it was already towards the end of the book and I knew at this point we were never going to know... It wasn't Harry Potter where you got you got to see the classrooms and like every couple of weeks or months you got to see what they were learning or studying and there was none of that. So I don't know if they if they heightened their powers like to a degree we know for some there was a there was a big focus on space and time and black holes. That's mostly what they talked about. And we know that they learned something about that. They were studying it the whole time, but we never got the classroom setting or we never understood what they were actually learning. Well, and the one, really, I feel like the only other thing that they mentioned about how the library slash school functions is that you go into a room and you can ask for any sort of book. You can say, I want a book on uh, wine. And they, the library decides if you are allowed to have that. And we learn that Callum asks for all of their records. So he asks for, you know, all the other initiates records. And is allowed to have them. But no one else has access to them. So he knows these deep things about everyone else that he probably could have already figured out with his abilities. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why. Um, But yeah, they're they're only allowed to see certain things. And not all the initiates can see the same set of books. Yep. Which was weird. Um, So yeah, there, there was a lot there. And I really love that scene between Parisia and Callum. And while it was happening, I was thinking, why is she not doing anything? Why is she not fighting back? Why is she just letting her history be laid bare in front of all these people when she's been, as a character, really guarded and really, like, um, combative and aggressive um, and hypersexual, obviously. (laughs) And, um, And then she's like, I actually won. And I... Eh. I liked it. I liked that she won in, like, a sneaky way. But also, like, I just wanted her to, like, kick him out of her mind. I don't know. I liked it. I was really intrigued. I wanted more of that type of section. And then we kind of get to the the end. Yeah, this is where my attention perked back up. They were doing time things, and they threw in the twists... With Ezra knowing everything all along and being from basically the future coming back to... So he was from the past. Or the past to the future. Yeah, so like we mentioned, Ezra is mentioned throughout the book. Mm -hmm. And he's actually mentioned, and I had to do like almost a double take. Um, The one person we've barely talked about is Tristan. And that's because he didn't really know what his power was, but they, they knew he was really powerful. And so he spent his year basically, trying to figure out his power, and he at one point goes to another plane of existence, or maybe another time, still unclear, and sees Ezra, 
and Ezra knows who he is because Libby slept with Tristan due to Parisia using her powers on them. And probably there was also some, like, crushing happening there. Mm -hmm. Um, But Libby being the, um, I don't even know what to call her, the rule follower she is, immediately went and told Ezra, like, hey, by the way, this is what happened. And so then they're like, Tristan and Ezra are both in a random plane. And they see each other and Ezra goes, oh, that's the guy. But Tristan doesn't know any of that. And I literally was like, are there two Ezras? What's happening? Yeah. Why is this occurring? And then, yeah, we find out he and Atlas were BFFs BFFs during their initiate class in like 100 years ago because Atlas is much older. And then from his perspective, we see Ezra meet him. Yeah. And we, yeah, you make that connection where it's just like, oh, there's some time things happen. Like there's some sort of bridge between these two points in time. So, basically, what I understood was that they had an initiate class of six. They thought Ezra was going to be the one that was going to be killed. And they were like, hey, your power is time. Why don't you jump ahead 20 years and we'll get you in the, that class. And so, At- or it may have been more than 20 years, but Atlas gets himself into a caretaker position and then specifically handpicks these people in the idea that one will die one will be sac one will die accidentally or something one will be sacrificed and then um ezra will come in and take that fifth position Mm -hmm. and in the moment where he was the one like yeah it was it was a good twist i was like this guy's so boring please stop talking about him yeah that's (laughs) it's interesting because they the author made me whether it was intentional intentional or not, made me forget about Ezra. She, I just didn't like him. I, I didn't like him. Every time he was brought up, I was like, wait, I know this name. I read this name a couple chapters ago. I don't know. I don't... A character should stay at least somewhat interesting and still make the twist work. If I'm forgetting who somebody is, we have a problem. Yeah. I, I just thought that... So he was dating Libby. They end up breaking up. And then he decides that she's probably... Ba- oh, because he's been meeting with Atlas this whole time and getting updates on the initiates. And for whatever reason, he thinks Libby's going to be the one that's going to be sacrificed. And so he decides to use his time travel and use holes that he's left in the security of the building for however many decades and sneak in steal Libby but I never got the impression that he loved Libby it didn't like they were dating sure but like there didn't seem to be a whole lot of respect between them like from her to him he just kind of like doted on her and it didn't I just thought they were like happened to be dating I I just feel like that that's this book like things just happen to progress plots yeah. Surface so, level. Oh, I guess that's what's happening. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't believe that he would, like, come back for her. Like, it, in my mind, they were almost acquaintances. <laughs> so, I just didn't believe it. Fair enough. And, um, he also, by that point, didn't really 
seemed to think that he was going to end up initiated anyway. And so Libby's taken away, and the other five are being initiated. Um, Nico is really upset because he's, you know, had... That's been his his um, competition, his one constant for however many years, um, and they decide that they are going to save Libby. And that's kind of where it ends. Yeah, so I did look... This is supposed to be... A trilogy. Yeah, I know there's at least one more coming out. But I think a trilogy. It is a trilogy. So, for reasons I can't explain, I'm sure someone out there, this is their favorite book, and that's totally fine. I don't judge for that. But for reasons I can't explain, this book was picked up by a publisher, Tor, like the publisher that that publishes all the big, you know, fantasy titles. Mm -hmm. So, Tor has picked this up. They're going to publish a newly revised and edited version of book one. Comes out in the beginning of March. Yes. That's so going to fix a lot of my issues with the zero editing part of the book, which drives me insane. And I'm hoping, I, I don't think it's going to be revised. Like, they fixed all the plots, but I'm hoping it's going to fix a lot of things that make it easier to read. Part of me wants to read this just to see the differences, but part of me doesn't know if they, I have it in me to do this again. Um... Yeah, I could just watch a YouTube video or something. I'm sure someone else will do it. But maybe we should jump into um, ratings and why. So would you like me to go first or would you like you to go first? You should go first. I actually don't know your rating yet. You know mine. Yeah, so I do know your rating. I went back and forth between a three and a four. I did end up going with three. Um, And the reason that I wanted... I was leaning toward four for a little while was there were these really deep thoughts that I wanted them to dive into. And I was hoping, like, I still, you know, at that point, I probably still had half the book. And I was really hoping that we would circle back somehow. So specifically, um, the trolley problem I found really interesting. And would um, Libby, who, like I said, is like the rule follower, would she actually condone killing someone to have access to all of this knowledge? Um, And then the idea of maybe some specialty shouldn't exist and maybe only certain types of magic should be allowed. Um, Those were all things I wanted to see more of. And then also the idea that was throughout was that all magic has a cost. And so I was really interested in learning about that cost and seeing what that cost was for the individuals and to the library and things like that. But it never came to fruition. Um, There were a couple other small problems I had that just were definitely me problems, but like, um, I understand very much. I've talked to her about her a lot, but I understand why Parisia does use her magic the way she does. I don't understand why she decided that she needed to, um, have a threesome with her and Libby and Tristan. It seemed very out of character for both of the other two, and it seemed not helpful in any way. I just think it makes the book more adulty and sexual for the sake of making it seem that way. I don't I it's it's weird like that scene didn't have to happen but you know look how look look how look how sexy this book's getting. like this dark what is it called dark academia. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's there for the sake of making it adulty. Yeah, just adulty. They were drinking massive amounts of absinthe 
which I'm pretty sure Libby, she was like, I don't drink at all, would have just been black blacked out. <laughs> so, and then the other thing, again, this is definitely a me thing, but I didn't understand why there was constant, like, casual intimacy and touching of, like, and maybe it has to do with the powers, but again, it wasn't explained of, like, needing to, like, hold a hand to, like, then do something. I don't know. There was some weirdness happening that I was like, I just don't, a lot, I guess, I just don't get it. <laughs> there, again, I got all the surface stuff and I wanted more. And I think that was really just the gist of it is I want more. I need more. Where is the explanation? And I'm interested. But like, you, it was like a trailer. You know, you get all the good stuff and then you're like, okay, well, where's the, where's the depth? So a lot of your three-star reasons is a lot of my two-star reasons. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm just harsher on those reasons, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Um, the The surface level part is obviously one of the biggest parts. Mm -hmm. There are so many cool, tiny little seeds planted, and they don't get to grow. Maybe in the next book, but based on how the story is going... That's not the parts the author considers important. Well, maybe in the next book she'll focus on Rena, and Rena can focus on growing those seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We'll cut that out. No. <laughs> no. Um, the, the world building, not everything has to be insane world building. That's, she's not writing epic fantasy, but the world building was lacking. Well, and we know that they're in London, so sh you could just use some basic London things. And then provide just more about where they're spending their days. They could mention anything. Like, they're so focused on talking about themselves and each other and keeping the school a secret from their friends or family. All the author needs to do is have the character comment on some news piece that, like, you know, the the so-and-so government or, you know, something happening with... Something mad, like how I want to hear like a news piece or a segment on something or like a radio to be on and to hear about something magical happening in the world. Like just to well, let me know how this world works. And also all their backstories. Like we learn in like one sentence that Reina is basically a Japanese princess. They mention she's part of the nobility or imperial family in some way, shape or form. But like she's a waitress. Yeah, I there's I think that could come up more because I think we can I think we can plan on hearing more about that I think we can plan on hearing more about the which one is has the mob boss Tristan. I think we can hear more about more about Tristan and his um bride to be and all that I think all that's gonna come back up eventually I don't fault it too much for that but I also wouldn't be surprised if we don't well, and also Nico has a whole side storyline of he's trying to save his best friend who's half mermaid, half merman, something. Okay, I completely forgot about this and I hate it. We because... don't even need to talk about it, but like there's this, there's, there was a whole, they all had like side quests happening. Yes. <laughs> and they weren't, they didn't go anywhere. Like, no. The mensch, the fact that Parisia has a husband, like nothing came of that. The fact that, um, yeah, Reyna is part of the Imperial family. Nothing came of that. Mob boss background, nothing came of that. Um, the only one that came to fruition was Ezra, and he was the one that was like, meh. And it had to because he was the twist. <laughs> but, 
But everyone else, I was like, that's cool. I want to learn about that. No. Yeah, there were some interesting thoughts. Like with the half-mermaid friend and not having... Like, the rights to, like, normal normal people things. Yeah. Even though he looked completely human. Because they say, like, his species can come out normal-looking, human-esque, or not. And he came out normal-looking, but because of, like, what he is and how he is defined, he doesn't get a lot of basic rights or documents or stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me more about that. Oh, no. Okay, we're moving on. Well, and he had, <laughs> he, he had a power, and he could, like, dream walk, basically. And the society knew about him. So it wasn't like, like he, I think at one point they mentioned he was in the running to be one of the six, but they were like, eh, no, like he wouldn't have said yes anyway. Yeah. But like, there's just so much. And I feel like maybe if she, if the author, I don't know if the author's male or female. Female. But if they had like narrowed down the things they were talking about and went more in depth about those things, instead of having tons of ideas, we would have been in a better place. I almost don't think narrowing down would be what's required. I think they should have cut back on other things. Like, they just spent too much time from the time they got to the school to the time you learn about the twist. That whole middle book, which is most of the, or that middle section, which is most of the book, was just spent arguing on the whole arbitrary someone must die. Well, and also, like, there was probably, like, five I would say scenes about Parisia's abilities one would have sufficed mm-hmm. one explanation at the beginning with Dalton who she seduces and uses her powers on would have been perfectly acceptable and then like maybe we could have learned what the heck Tristan's ability even was because yeah. we still don't know <laughs> like and he doesn't know which I'm guessing is plot point trilogy related we're not supposed to know yet which fine but like if no one knows at all, why was he Why was he invited? chosen? Yeah, that was my first thought, too, as I'm just like, do you... What is Atlas doing? Like, does he... Does he sense that there's, like, a powerful something here? Like, let's go figure out what it is. Is it, like... He's just a telepath, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, his only... Atlas is a telepath. Yeah. So, what did he do when he met him like did he sense some powerful magic my guess is no so what led him to him well and also there's a whole council that helped choose these six people like are they being watched has he demon like was he walking down a sidewalk one day and one of these council members saw him unexpectedly do something amazing they were like oh shoot no like nothing's explained was was he a toddler and he chose the right stick and the right thing now (laughs) he's you know yeah, I don't know how they've decided that these are the most powerful people. Some of them are implied that they've been seen, like, we know what you can do, but you're only a telepath. Unless he's reading his mind, like, maybe subconsciously he knows his power, but he can't, like, maybe tel- telepathically he's reached into his mind and knows there's something there. But that's me just pulling at straws. Yeah, it's not explained. So I guess the gist of it is in the off chance that she never will but that the author ever hears our opinions more more explanation more detail more yeah (laughs) sorry it's interesting so next time we are going to be reading a romance novel for valentine's day 
this one I'm really excited for. And there's, even if it's a bad book, there's no way I don't enjoy it. I'm almost positive. So have you ever read a romance novel? Um, nothing actually defined as romance in the bookstore, no. Okay. So we will be reading The Best Men by, sorry, I lost their name, by Serena Bowen and Lauren Blake. So this is an enemies to lovers opposites re- attract uh, irresistibly sexy standalone romance between the best man and the other best man. Um, so that's just the the very start of um, the description. But what sold me, and I actually um, didn't didn't fully read it, but what what definitely sold me was contents includes first times a secret to do list. Champion level flirting, fast cars, hashtag eggplants, and two men who look good in formal wear. So yeah, this is going to be the best worst. It was the hashtag eggplant <laughs> that, like, in your description, you're putting a hashtag. It just made me chuckle, and I was like, okay. So. You also be... said that you did not realize this is a gay romance book. Nope. And, and you told me that, like, literally an hour ago, which I found funny because I figured hashtag eggplants with a very big Q there. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just figured like young women texting each other. I don't know. I. That's how I know you're not a gay person in the gay community. Nope, I am not. So I'm interested. I have never read a gay romance novel. Um, I have read Song of Achilles, which has gay romance in it. Um, but I, it'll, I assume, can only be very different. Um, I have read. I think the first time I ever read Daniel Steele, I was like 11 at my grandma's, and that was the only book she had. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I have a long history of reading romance novels, and I'm interested to kind of compare what I've read um, to this, and if if what you know if it's romantic or not. I'm guessing it's not going to be quite Daniel Steele-esque. <laughs> um, no, I don't think it'll be quite the same. <laughs> I've never read her, but I know how her books go. Um, but I, I still expect some, some spice and some steam. And oh. some mod, it's, it's going to be very... But it's written by two women, so you'll have to tell me what you think about two women writing about two men. The author, the one, the last name, Blake, I looked her up, I guess she's written a couple of the books in this kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And she's, it seems like a lot of her fan, a lot of her uh, readers have a lot of fun with her books. I pulled this one up on Goodreads and it says like, you know, like press here for the rest of the series. And I was like, this can't be a series. There's a prequel, I guess already. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that a prequel is needed for this kind of book. No, no, but no. it literally says it's a standalone. But yeah. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I definitely am looking for like, if there's something that is just totally out of left field, I'm definitely going to be like, uh, James, do you think that that would ever happen in real life? Because I want to know. These days, prop maybe. Anything's we'll possible. We'll see. So, very excited for that. And then um, that that should be coming out around Valentine's Day. So, yep. Little romance for February. So, that is it for this time, I think. We are going to go ahead and wrap up. We have a couple places you can find follow support. You can always email us at paperquestpod at gmail.com, Facebook, paperquestpodcast, Instagram, paperquestpodcast. Please feel free to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, and definitely leave us a comment either on our Facebook, Instagram, or email, and let us know what books you're reading and what you'd like us to read in the future.
See you next time. Bye.